0: We've got a familiar verse here. Some of you, many of you, or lots of these young people certainly could uh, quote these verses. Um, But they're pertinent for the direction that I'd like to go this morning, Philippians chapter number four. Uh, If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, let's look down at verse number 10. Looking at verse number 10, I'm sorry, verse number eight through verse number 10. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. I'm not going to speak specifically on this verse or walk through these particular things that we are supposed to be giving our mind to, The direction that I would like to go this morning is really dealing with our attitudes, with our spirit. The title of the message this morning is A Christ-like Attitude, A Christ-like Attitude. And as Christians, we ought to strive to be like Christ. We ought to strive to have the attitude that Christ had. Our attitude is, by and large, determined by what we think about. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23 and verse number 7, he says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, this time of year, there's a lot of change. It's an exciting time of year. The temperature changes. You get those cold and brisk mornings. Some mornings you come out and the frost is on the ground. Had a frosty morning already. Uh, Then the sun comes out and it starts warming up. Uh, the, we get to enjoy the change of the season. We, we look and admire the, beautiful of the, the beauty of the foliage as uh, it changes and, and all those fall colors come out. At least until that dreary winter look sets in, right? At least we enjoy it until all the trees are barren and the days remain cold. And as you know, it's getting dark earlier and earlier. And if you're not careful, you will allow something as simple as that to affect your attitude. For some, we've got time change here in a few weeks. For some, once time change hit, you won't have another good day until spring. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, the days are cold and dark, and there's just nothing to be happy about. Oh, woe is me. That kind of uh, spirit, and, and that's not what Christ wants us to be like. Beloved, we have an internal light that does not go out. We can and should have the joy of the Lord in our heart and life, regardless of the circumstances that we're facing. You and I should always be able to have a Christ-like attitude. Amen? Amen? One man said he saw a sign that read, cheer up, things could be worse. So he cheered up. And sure enough, they got worse. <laughs> and that's, that kind of spirit or that kind of mentality tends to be very prevalent or common today. The, I, the Eeyore mentality, you know, the it's going to rain, you know, oh no, uh, woe is me. That kind of spirit or mentality is, is very prevalent. It's, it's almost popular. But that's not what the spirit that God wants us as Christians to have. Beloved, if anyone has ever had cause to look on the bright side, if anyone ever could find a reason to find that silver lining in every cloud or to make lemonade when life hands you lemons, it's the blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing Christian who has God on his side and heaven as his home. We ought to have a purpose and a reason to look on the bright side and to be optimistic because God is still on the throne. We are on the winning side. You know, is all right we just talk about our attitudes for a minute or two? I know the kids need it if none of you adults do. I got five kids, and I know a lot of times it's really just an attitude adjustment. That's what my dad used to tell me. <laughs> he says, What you need is an attitude adjustment. <laughs> He said, you could either adjust it or I will adjust it for you. <laughs> you know, one of those types of things. And so uh, sometimes I found the ability to adjust it myself. And other times I needed some help. <laughs> some, some external motivation, amen. <laughs> but you know, the truth of the matter is, beloved, uh, is it's like what Robert Harold Schuler said in 1926. He said, it's not what happens to me that matters most. It's how I react to what happens to me. Beloved, it's really not a matter of what is happening around me. It's a matter of what's happening inside me. What is going on in my heart and what do I allow myself to ponder and think upon? For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you know who the most successful people are? You know, most of the time, it's not those that have the highest education. Most of the time, it's not those that have the, the most likes on their Facebook page. Most of the time, the one who is the most successful is the one who has learned how to have a right attitude. How to control his own Spirit, Warren Deaton said, with the right attitude, all the problems in the world will not make you a failure. But with the wrong attitude, all the help in the world will not make you a success. There's a lot of wisdom in that statement. With the right attitude, all the problems in the world will not make you a failure. But with the right attitude, all the help in the world will I'm sorry, with the wrong attitude, all the help in the world will not make you a success. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. See, it's, what, it's how you perceive and, and what you're going to allow your spirit and your attitude to be with regards to what happens around you. Most people are concerned about their circumstances, when what they really ought to be concerned about is what they're concentrating on. He says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there are any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, you can literally alter your life by changing your thinking. Bad things happen to good people. And good things happen to bad people. You know, uh, bad things happen to people that are traditionally or most of the time very optimistic. That their, their, their pattern or habit for life is to be positive and optimistic. Do you know things bad still happen to them? And you know, good things happen to those who are given to pessimism. Those who are given to looking on the underside or the dark side of every situation. The determining factor, beloved, is what you do with it. The Bible tells us very clearly that it rains on the just and the unjust. It rained on all of us. We had that, like four days of rain <laughs> recently. It's like, is this ever going to stop? And, and, you know, it's just rain day after rain. I'm like, it's raining again? I usually don't watch the forecast myself. I figure i got to do what i got to do. The weather's not going to affect me much. Uh, Mary watches it pretty closely because she hangs laundry out on the line. And she wants to know. So she's always telling me, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. And I'm like, again? Oh, man. You know, it's raining again. You know, something as simple as rain can affect your attitude. How, how happy you are or upbeat. You know, beloved, you can control what happens inside of you. You can control your spirit. Your attitude. You can I know the world's mentality, people out there think about it and they say you can't. It's not something you can control. They might even say you need drugs to control that. But you can control it. Yeah. You guys have heard the statement, which from my research is attributed to Ronald Nibir. He said, Lord, grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can And the wisdom to know the difference. You guys have heard that. The idea is, listen, there's some things in life you can't change. Amen? You can't do anything about it anyway. And so just, you know, with the grace of God, accept those things and stop worrying about it. Stop letting it ruin your day. How many of you have ever been in a plane that had some turbulence? A good amount of turbulence. I know some people that in here, you travel a lot. And, uh, you know, when that plane, I've been in some planes with some pretty good turbulence. And, you know, that that air pocket comes and the plane goes, boom, and then catches again. And half the plane goes, oh, and then it catches and, and, and screams. And, you know, when I'm in that situation, I quite literally in my heart and mind, I'm like, well, I'm here now. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I mean, if this plane goes down, it goes down. I mean, not gonna do any good to be fretting about it. I mean, it is what it is. Might as well enjoy the ride. Yeah. Um, now I get motion sickness, so I might throw up <laughs> if it gets too bad. One time we took some kids on a plane ride for a, for a church activity. These kids they earned a plane ride, and we went up in this small plane, a six seater. The pilot looked at the kids and he said, "Kids, you guys like roller coasters?" And the kids are like, "Yeah!" And he goes, okay, so he goes, mm, and he dives, and he goes, mm, and he climbs out, and then he turns, and he banks left, he banks right, he goes down, and the kids are all, yeah, yeah, and he goes, you want to do it again? I said, you better not. <laughs> I said, yeah, that was real fun, but my stomach is about to lose it, I said, and he's like, sorry, guys, your pastor can't handle it. <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> Tell these kids the guy can't handle it, you know, and uh, they were all, oh, we wanted to do it again. I said, well, you got to get me out of the plane first. <laughs> That's extremely uncomfortable. But, you know, sometimes in life there's things you cannot change. There's nothing you can do about it. And you just got to grin and bear it. You got to go through and you might as well uh, be optimistic and have a good spirit and just trust God because you can't change it. There's some things we can change. And there's a lot of people holding on to the things they can change and grumbling and complaining about it. And what they need to do is change it. Amen. But some things you just got to deal with. You have a choice, beloved. You have a choice in how your circumstances are going to affect your attitude. Some of you know the name Viktor Frankl. He was in concentration camps in Germany. And he wrote this in his book. On remembering that time in the concentration camp, he said, We who lived in the concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They're, they may have been few in number, but they offered sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but that one thing his freedom to choose his own attitude. In any given circumstance, you can determine how you're going to respond to the challenges that life brings you. I'm going to give you just a couple of thoughts about the way Christ responded, what Christ did for us, and the attitudes that we we should have, the attitude that Christ had. And would you turn back to Philippians chapter number 2, if you would. We see there in Philippians chapter number 2, I believe it's verse number 5, he said, Let this mind be in you. This is the mind that Christ had given to us very clearly in in these verses. And verse 6, 7, and 8 clearly show us that Christ had a sacrificial mind, he had a servant hearted mind, and he had a submissive mind. We see in verse number 6 there, he says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God? Beloved, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. If there's any doubt about that in your heart and mind, let me assure you today that Jesus was not just a prophet, as some men would say today. He was God in the flesh, God's son sent here to earth. This verse here says he was in the form of God, that that word form there in in the Greek literally means the very essence of, the very essence of God. He was the very essence of God. It says here that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That is, it would not be stealing. It would not be wrong for him to take the attributes of God. I can put it in modern vernacular for you. If Christ took on the attributes of God, it was not cultural appropriation. Okay? It was not that. He was God in the flesh. And he could rightfully uh, have and take the attributes of God because that's who he was. But beloved, he sacrificed it all for you and I. He gave it all. He had a sacrificial mind. He gave it all up for you and I. He left glory in heaven and all the glory that was there to come down to earth and to go to Golgotha and to die for you and I. If we are going to have a sacrificial mind, beloved, we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to be ready and willing to give up some things be willing to sacrifice some things, be willing to live this life and it's realize it's not all about me. That's a large part of the reason why life is so difficult for some. Because for them, life's all about them. Personally. How everybody affects me and what happens to me and life's not fair and woe is me. You know, if we started living for somebody else, we might be able to have a little bit better spirit about where we're at. We might have to be willing to give up our position, yield over maybe some of our own priorities or change even our personality a little bit. We might have to be willing to let go or give up some of our preferences if that's what glorifies God. You might have some things that you believe are your right. People like to use that word today. It's my right. We have a right to this. We have a right to that. Do you know that's not the mind of Christ? You see, a Christ-like mind is not demanding his rights. It's a sacrificial mind. Well, it would help us a lot to have that mind, to have a sacrificial mind. We see in verse number seven, his servant, hearted mind. He said that here, he says in verse number seven, he said, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of of men. Beloved, he emptied himself. This idea of made of no reputation has the implication of emptying himself. Made of no reputation. That kind of goes against the flow today, too, doesn't it? Isn't modern society really all about building this reputation? Isn't it about establishing how many likes you can get? Isn't it about seeing how many uh, followers you can acquire? Uh, how many follows, click through, or, or, you know, it's all about the reputation we're building. Of course, I know you guys know that the majority of what you see out there is what people want you to believe about them, not really what they are. Nobody is going to post their worst day and say, hey, be like me. You know, (laughs) it's all about putting this image out, this, this, oh, look at how, how marvelous my life is. Aren't you envious? Christ made himself of no reputation. He chose to set aside his independent exercise of his divine abilities that he might reach the world, that he might bring the gospel salvation to men. You know the song he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free but he died alone for you and me. You see, he had the divine right. He had the power as God, the ability to call 10,000 angels and to set him free. But he set aside that right that he might bring salvation to all men. He became a servant. He became a servant of men, not just a servant of his father, which you know he, he always was about doing his father's will, but also a servant of men. Christ himself said, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Offers life a ransom for many. Man, what if we had that kind of mindset as Christians? Not so worried about being ministered unto, but to minister, to minister to others. The mindset of how, how can I serve or help or benefit somebody else? You know, we have that story in the New Testament of the Good Samaritan. You see in that story, there's, there's three uh, different attitudes represented. You know what? Why don't we turn there? You guys need to wake up anyway. So turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 10, to Luke chapter 10. I want you to see these three attitudes that are evident here. You guys know the story. I know that. The story of the Good Samaritan. But there is, in Luke chapter 10, three different attitudes that are represented. And they're evident in society today quite a lot. Get to John, you went too far. (laughs) All righty. So we see here, first of all, look down at verse number 30. We see the attitude of the thieves. He says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The attitude of the, of the thieves beloved is what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. That's the spirit of the thief. What's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. Isn't that the spirit of many people today? (laughs) It's kind of a, 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 the attitude what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. And, and they can couch it or, or, uh, you know, put it out in whatever kind of verbiage they want, redistribution of wealth, you know, paying off student loans, uh, whatever they want to call it, but you know when you take something that's not yours and do something with it, doesn't matter what you call it, the Bible calls it Stealing. And that spirit or that attitude is prevalent in society today. a matter of fact, there's, it's so prevalent and so popular that people today have the mindset that it's not even stealing. That somehow they're owed it. Like somehow because you have worked hard and achieved a level of success in your life and you actually can pay your bills that somehow you owe them something. And so you've got to just give it to them or, or they'll just take it and they were justified in doing so but that's not a Christ-like attitude. That's not the attitude that Christ would want a Christian to have. You know, people that grumble the most are not usually the people with the most problems. They're just the people who don't know how to control their attitude. Sometimes you have people that, they, they got a ton of problems. There's people in this room right now that if you knew all they were dealing with. You'd wonder how they could even get to church. But they're, they're, they're not out grumbling and complaining and griping and just woe is me about everything in life. They've learned how to control their attitude. Those kind of people are a blessing. We've got to have the right kind of spirit. We see, secondly, a second spirit that's listed, or attitude that's listed here. Look down in 31 and 32 in in Luke chapter 10. We see the religious crowd. The priests and the Levite are listed here. He says, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, the spirit of these two is a little bit different. Their spirit is, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. That's their spirit. And how many of you know that just because you're religious doesn't mean you have the spirit of Christ? That you have the mind and the heart of Christ. Here this religious crowd, they knew how to carry their Bible. They knew how to talk the talk. They knew how to act spiritual. But when it came right down to where the rubber meets the road, there was somebody in need. And they said, oh, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. And they went over to the other side. That is slightly better than that of the thieves. Would have been really bad if they would have gone and searched the body for anything, anything left that was good. Well, oh, he's got good shoes on still. I'll take those. That would have been bad. But it's not the mind of Christ that we, we should have. It's not that spirit that we should have. This, he, the good Samaritan is the one that has the attitude of Christ. We see in verses 33 to 35, he says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host. And he said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. This spirit is what's mine, is God's, and I'm going to give it. That's the spirit of Christ. That giving spirit. That spirit that meets the need. You know that's what Christ did for you and I? That submissive spirit that we see in verse number 8 of chapter 4 where we were he says, and being found in, a fashion, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was obedient. He gave himself, he gave, him, gave it all for you and I. All the way down to death. You know the old song, I gave my life for thee. My precious blood I shed, that thou mightst ransom be and quickened from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou gave for me? You see, that's the spirit. That's the Christ-like mind that we should have. The heart of compassion and concern for others, for our fellow man. It's not about what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. It's not about what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. It's what's mine is God's, and I'm going to give it. I'm going to meet the needs of others. I don't know if you've learned it yet. Some of you have. But If you haven't learned it yet, you will learn at some point in life that it's your attitude, not your ability, that makes a difference. Norman Vincent Peale, in one of his motivational books tells the story of a young man named Walter Harton Walter was a young man grew up in a farming community and didn't have the chances of most people schooling was very limited certainly college was not an option but he desired when he got out of school that what he wanted to do he wanted to go to New York City and he wanted to work in New York City So when he reached that age, he went into town, and he found a directory of businesses in New York City. And he looked for prosperous businesses that he might apply at, and he saw one retail chain that seemed to be very successful. They had 392 stores around the New York City area. And he thought, well, what I will do is I will write to each one of these stores. Every one of them, he sat down, and a man on very limited means very limited ability he handwrote a letter of application to a job at that store he wrote 15 a day every day till he had written all 392 stores without one reply not to be disheartened or discouraged he took what meager supplies he could get together and he traveled to new york city arriving in new york city he went down to Park Ave, and there was one of the larger stores, and he went in, and he met the manager, and he says, I have written to you. I have applied and asked for a job. I'm wondering, sir, do you have a job for me? The manager said, I don't know who you are. Don't have any. I never saw a letter from you. He says, young man, if I got a letter from you, it would have gone to HR. We're a big company. you got to go to Human Resources. That is over on 9th Street. So he gave him the address, and this man went over to 9th Street, walked in this big building, was directed to the correct offices, went into the office, and there was a gruff-looking man. He appeared to be in charge of everything. And he looked at the man, and he said, Sir, apparently I have written a letter to the stores, and apparently the store has sent a letter to you, but my name is Walter, and I would like to work for your store. The man sat there looking at him for a minute. Walter was getting a little bit uncomfortable. The man stood up. He came around the desk, took Walter by the shoulder, took him over to a door, and he said, Look at this. You see that table? There's your letters. All 392 of them. <laughs> We figured anybody that had that much ambition was going to walk through this door someday. (laughs) And uh, we have your job waiting for you. You see, if he would have known the proper way, the right way to send an application, he probably would have got a polite reply, no, sir, we're not interested. It's not about your ability. It's about your attitude. And as Christians, we are to live like Christ. We are to have a Christ-like attitude in in all that this world throws at us. And listen, if you're going to have a Christ-like attitude in the midst of this tumultuous world, you need Christ in your life. It's not just going to happen. We're, We're entering that season, the season of gratitude. In the season of giving. Maybe as Christians we could have that Christ-like spirit. That Christ-like attitude as we enter this time. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I have the hardest time with this. Listen, if you don't have Christ, you don't have his strength. You don't have His, his ability. Galatians tells us that it's Christ that liveth in me. It's not not me that's able to maintain a good attitude because I'm just a positive guy. Now, some people are more optimistic and positive than others. But with Christ, we can all have a right attitude. If you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't know that I have Christ, I want you to know you can. And we'd be honored to take a Bible and show you how you can. A Christian, if you're here and you've kind of let Circumstances, or the world, or, or the challenges of today. I mean, listen, you, you, you hear the news more in a day or two and you're going to get depressed. <laughs> I mean, looking at society and things that are going on and, and you just look at it and you say, wow, things are so bad. But we need to get our eyes off the storm and get them on the Savior.